0: listener production. It's the podcast packed with Aussie auto industry news views and some funny stuff. Someone's jammed in the boot along the way. Welcome, everybody, to The Grill. Greg Rust, Shane Jacobson, and Jeff Willem with you, all powered by the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce, and available on Listener, or wherever you go digging for your pods, gold digging. Uh, Coming up, the one-of-a-kind Ford Escort that just blew the auction Richter scale off, plus the car that won Best in Show at Pebble Beach, and it used to be, for a time, Two cars, we'll explain that. And the passenger drone concept that is now a reality. Taxi, anybody? Uh, We're also going to sift through the latest Vfax results for you. Our industry guest is from the MTA in Norway. His name is Stig. That's not a gag. He's coming up a little bit later. And the great Richard Johnson, Dick Johnson, Australian motor racing royalty, Coming on for a chat on today's show, his grandson, can you believe it, is racing now and doing some very impressive things as well. First up, though, a big belated Father's Day. Welcome to our very own Shane Jacobson, who was on the mic at a shopping centre, fittingly telling dad jokes. Come on, hit us up. Hit us with one. Go. Oh, without notice, without warning. Uh, Without notice. Did you hear about the
1: cat that ate a ball of wool? No. it It had mittens.
0: (laughs) <laughs> dad jokes, my friend, are a rite of passage, aren't they?
1: Aren't they? A, 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 I
2: mean, you, yeah. you
0: sort of turn into this daggy dad when
2: you've got children. You do. I mean, you're allowed, aren't
1: yeah. you? Why don't skeleton? Why don't skeletons fight each other? I don't know because
3: they don't have the guts. ay, ay, ay. See, Dad jokes. <laughs> Very quickly.
1: Can I? Can I, I just t- to other... save? My, well, before, yeah. I'm good, mate. To save my reputation, can I tell a real joke?
3: Yes, please. Yes, here please. we go.
1: A guy works at a uh, brewing uh, factory and drowns in a massive vat of beer. His wife and children are obviously devastated, but the wife wants to go into the factory and see where her husband's life ended. And she looks into this enormous vat and says to the boss, look, I have one question. Um, Did he suffer, would you think? Would you think he suffered? And he said, oh, look, I I wouldn't have thought so. He got out four times to have a leak. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, we've set the tone we're away the other voice you can hear giggling in the background because in the golden days of radio we would have kind of all needed to be in a studio together now we can be anywhere right so the newest player in our little motoring media landscape our jeff Willem, has decided to test it right out by going to the complete other side of of the world, hello Jeff. Where are you? And did your bags arrive okay? Happy Father's Day to you too, my friend.
3: Thank you very much, uh, team. Uh, look, we're, we're in Norway. We've got this uh, electric vehicle tour going on, trying to find out what Australia can do best in that area. Man, there's some fantastic cars here as well. Uh, but you've got—I'll tell you one thing—you've got to watch in Norway. Don't step off the street without looking, because those electric cars—they're really quiet. Uh, but the bags arrived, uh, everything else arrived fine. Great uh, place to, to come and have a look at. But from an industry point of view, world leading.
0: Very good. So their take up on EVs is huge. We will talk about that a little bit later. They've done some amazing things there, which I think you've been able to really get your teeth into in terms of the understanding of that transition. That'll be good a little bit later. Mm. Time now for a segment the Norwegians call "Pulla Titita. I don't think I've got that even close to being right. Something like cop this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, this week's cop this is cop this for a speeding fine. Uh, Rusty, see if you can guess. What do you reckon the most expensive speeding fine ever issued was worth?
0: I I, I don't know. Well, I would have thought you'd be sort of carted away in handcuffs if you've gone crazy with the, the number, wouldn't you? What if I said it was a million dollars or just over a no million dollars
1: or way. Seven, Ooh, correct wow. 790 I think it's 795 uh, US dollars 795000 so a guy in an AMG was uh, it was a Swedish driver in Switzerland uh, was doing 295 kilometers an hour, mm. and the way it works and stick and let us know when we talk to him soon. Um, in Europe, it's the way it works. It's actually the the speeding fine is determined by the amount of income the person has and the speed they were doing. So there's actually That's an right. equation to it. Yeah. So uh, the most expensive speeding fine yeah. ever paid in Australia was only like seventeen hundred dollars. But yeah, the winner is over a million dollars because a guy was in an SLS AMG sports car. Yeah. Doing here, uh, yeah, two hundred and ninety kilometres an hour. God, <laughs> that! Wow. Awesome. Let's take a quick break on the grill to talk about Bendix brakes, specifically. If well, I said that right specifically, it's one of those hard words, isn't it? I don't know why I'm using such a big word when a more superlative one would have sufficed. Specifically, their four wheel drive and SUV brake pads. Now, these are available for a wide range of vehicle makes and models, specially formulated for use both on and off road driving. Bendix four wheel drive and SUV brake pads are designed to withstand and perform under extreme braking conditions, all while delivering low noise, low dust, and reduced brake fade at high temperatures. With Bendix Blue Titanium Stripe technology, there's no need for bedding in after fitment. Now that is a bonus, adding a new level of stopping power straight out of the box, if you will. For performance to handle frequent braking in heavy city traffic, towing heavy loads or outback driving in your four-wheel drive or SUV, ask your mechanic to fit Bendix four-wheel drive and SUV brake pads. Available from all good Bendix stockers. Bendix, Put your foot down with confidence. And you know what happens next? Speaking of breaks, it's time for breaking news, Rusty.
0: They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. Uh, Jeff, before we get into wider industry news, uh, the VACC, we talked about this in the last episode of the podcast. You've got a bit more detail on it now. So, Victorian state election. Manifesto presented at Parliament House recently. What are the big calls that you're putting to both sides of of government in this race?
3: Yeah, thanks, Greg. And these are things that we're asking whoever the next government in Victoria is. Uh, For example, you know, a three-year wage subsidy for apprentices. We know we've got a huge critical skills shortage in the industry, and we know that uh, you know if employers get some help to put an apprentice on, the apprentice normally stays. So we're after a three-year apprenticeship wage subsidy. We're looking for the government to fund an end-of-life vehicle trial, and it doesn't matter whether these are electric vehicles or conventional uh, vehicles. What we don't have in Australia or in Victoria is a proper plan for how we dispose of our vehicles, and we want the government to focus on that and actually do a much better job than what they're doing now around in terms of policy. Uh, raise the payroll tax threshold it sort of sounds a bit counter, but actually in Victoria, when you've got a wage bill over $700,000, you start to pay an additional tax. In other states, it's $1.2 million. For example, in New South Wales, we're saying we should have the same threshold before an employer pays a payroll tax. That's really important for, for small business. Remember, small business are the biggest employer of people in Victoria and in Australia. And uh, and we want to instigate uh, an annual roadworthy requirements for vehicles over eight years old. They are all
0: excellent suggestions and some of the things that we've covered loosely uh recently here on the grill as well especially around the roadworthy stuff and the the payroll tax Shane spoke about that last month. Now, when you think of classic Ford Escorts you probably think Mark 1, Mark 2, right? The mid 80s RS Turbo Series 1. Oh yeah. Maybe not so much. How about the first and only black colored coupe? of this variety. Normally they made them white, a lot of white ones over in the UK. How much would you expect to pay at auction for this little one? And a footnote for you, it used to be owned, driven by the people's princess, Princess Diana, who's been gone now 25 years, can you believe it? So something special from the Royal lineup. What do you reckon it's worth? Come on, Shane. Oh, um, this is one of those things that's probably priceless. I don't know, because
1: the car's got its value, but the fact that she used to drive it, I mean, it, it Does something entirely different. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Bidding started. Bidding started at a hundred thousand pound. Yeah, they had bidders on the phone from Dubai and all over the world. The hammer dropped at six hundred and fifty thousand quid, one point one million Aussie dollars. And when and when it got to the five hundred for an escort for for a mid eighties escort. Now when it got to just over five hundred thousand pounds, the auctioneer said. Five hundred thousand for a Ford Escort. I don't think I've ever heard or said that before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a million Australian dollars for a Ford Escort.
0: Well, I wouldn't guess. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. Just while we're on the whole notion of auctions and stuff, too, there is a massive one coming up next month. The Newman Haas um, Racing team, oh. which was run by. Carl Haas and the late Paul Newman, uh, 40 racing cars from their stable from 83 to, I think, 2008. There are cars in their race by Mario and Michael Andretti and Nigel Mansell as well. So uh, pretty cool stuff. I ran into, I didn't, I never had the guts to go and speak to him. I saw Paul Newman at California Speedway one year, literally walked right past him two feet from me and I'm a gibberer for a trade. You know that Shane and, and Jeff. And I just Othar, I couldn't yep. I couldn't bring myself to say <laughs> hello or, or to, and I just thought he was one of the greatest actors ever with a proper, proper passion for cars and racing. Remarkable. I know
1: Man, well I would have spoken to him because we connect on two levels. Of course, motoring. Well, it's three, of course, acting, but he's source.
0: It's great. Yes, it is. the source. And, and <laughs> for a good cause too. Hey, just quickly, yeah. before we bounce through uh, to, to VFX, did you guys see that stunning 32 Duesenberg that won the best yeah. in show at Pebble Beach Concourse last month? What what about the backstory to that? Yeah, well,
1: first I was going to say that's isn't that's one of those cars. It's like the, the, the Holden Effigy. It's one of those cars when people say that they just see a car as a thing to get from A to B. That's when you show them a photo of a car like that, that Duesenberg to go. That is art. It's 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 metallic. It's metal art. It runs. It has a purpose. But to look at, it, it's just stunning. It's an amazing car. People should. We should say it again. So so thirty two Duesenberg. And that's is it. D u e s n b e r g. Anyway, people should Google that. It'll come up and have a look at that car. But you go with the backstory, Rusty.
0: At some point in the 60s in its history, the the owner swapped the body onto another chassis. So one chassis for one car, body on another, two cars effectively, right? And it took the vintage car and boat collectors, a couple, Lee and, and Penny Anderson, to track down both vehicles and kind of right the wrongs, restore the original, and they did an absolutely beautiful job. So, yeah. on the surface, you'd think you know uh, best in show, but the backstory I think adds to it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's a, what a what a car,
1: what a car to look at.
0: VW Group China has taken the dream and made the concept a reality. The first prototype Mm. flying taxi, eVTOL, vertical takeoff and landing, eight rotors for vertical lift, two propellers for horizontal flight. It's colored like a a black and gold, right? So they're calling it the flying tiger, year of the tiger. Uh, First test flights later this year, 200K range, four passengers plus luggage, straw pole. Who's going for a ride? Who's up for it? Yeah, well, my first question is they've got to find a pilot
1: that that's slightly overweight, that untucks his shirt with coffee stains all down the front of it, and a very disinterested look on his face to pilot this thing if it's going to be a taxi. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it uses hey, Greg, autonomous. Does it, does it have a parachute? Is it? Does it got a parachute attached?
0: Oh, I don't know about. I don't know for about the, safety, for the whole Jeff. Thing. You could do your best. Uh, you, your exits are here, here, and here, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. It says it. Not a big fan of parachutes and a thing that has eight fans above you. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it uses existing autonomous driving solutions and battery tech for emission-free mobility. This is a massive, uh, massive step. I don't know that I would be um, jumping to be one of the early, uh, the, the early passengers. Yeah, early adopters. <laughs> I'll wait and see. When they say four people, do they mean four of me, like me and my, three of my mates? Because that's <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> Jeff, let's get to the August twenty twenty two V snapshot, and it looks like. Best August since 2017. There's some good news
3: here. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's not bad. Uh, Ninety-five thousand two hundred and fifty-six new vehicles uh, sold in August, uh, which is an increase of 173 uh, percent growth over August last year, which is great. Which is it's that's fantastic. a sign that things things are improving. Yeah, uh, all market segments were up in August. Uh, passenger vehicles were up fifteen point three percent. SUVs were up eighteen point five percent. Light commercials up sixteen point eight percent, and heavy commercials up fifteen point seven percent. Heavy those commercial vehicle statistics are particularly important. They tell you that the economy is literally on the move. Yeah. Uh, Year to date sales: a total of seven hundred and seventeen thousand five hundred and seventy five new vehicles have been sold to date. Now, even though that's fifteen thousand two hundred and fifty three fewer or 2.1% fewer than the same period last year. I still think that we'll clear a million this year. I'm still very hopeful about that because the, even though we've got one signal saying the economy is slowing, the actual uh, vehicle sales are up in August. So if that continues, I think we'll be fine. Um, August, uh, a good month, market conditions are still far from normal, as we know. And, and even in Norway here, we've been talking to Stig, supply of vehicles globally is still a major issue. So it's supply of vehicles through manufacture, and shipping of vehicles. Both of those things are still major challenges for us.
0: I was just going to say most jurisdictions recorded um, increased sales for August when we look at a a kind of state-by-state breakdown.
3: Yeah, they're all up. uh, ACT up uh, 49%, uh, New South Wales up 40%, VIC 18.4%, Queensland uh, over 11%, Northern Territory up 42 So again, it's an interesting, there's an underlying buoyancy there. Remembering some of these vehicles may have been ordered many months ago. You remember a vehicle only gets on VFAX once it's handed over and sold to the consumer. Um, but some uh, you know, declining sales, South Australia was down 9.7%. WA down 6.5%, which is always interesting when, when things move around in WA because there's a lot of money in that state. Tassie down uh, 3%. Uh, commercial vehicles, though, uh, 4,216 heavy commercial vehicles sold in August. Again, up 573 vehicles or 15.7% on August last year. Year-to-date heavy vehicle sales are up 8.4%. Again, uh, good signs about where the economy is going. Uh, light commercials, so they were heavy that I've just reported on, light commercial vehicles, 22,472 light commercial vehicles sold in August. Now, I don't know about you, Greg, but that just sounds like a big number to me. 22,472 light commercial vehicles sold in one month. That's fantastic. Uh, it's an increase on last year uh, and year to date. However, year to date, commercial, light commercials are down 1.2%, but I think that'll get taken up and we'll at least meet par with last year by the end of this year. Um, battery electric vehicles, uh, August was a strong month for EVs, electric vehicles, that's pure electrics with uh, 400 uh, 4235 battery electric vehicles being delivered in August uh, 2022, which isn't bad. it's not well beating, but it's we'll, we'll take it because it's it's a bit of growth there. Um, they, so battery electrics accounted for 4.4 percent of the total new market in August, which is the highest market share for pure battery electric vehicles. Ever recorded in a month in Australia, so that's the first. You know, that's a that's a record month, which you know, again, signs are good. But it's about when a ship arrives. Uh, Tesla dominated the sales in August with uh, 3,397 vehicles sold, or 80.2% of the market. And again, if I look around in Norway, there's Teslas all over the place here. However, over time. Uh, Chevrolets and different electric vehicles start to come into the market. I mean, te- nobody can argue Tesla's led the market globally in, in electric vehicle sales. But we've it's got a whole range of uh, niche, Neo, a great little product we saw yesterday here in Norway. Uh, it's a, it's a, a Chinese uh, vehicle. You know, brands we've never heard of, Greg, coming out of nowhere that will take on that, that Tesla uh, bulk sales that we've seen. Um, year-to-date sales, 14,524 battery electric vehicles have been sold year to date, with Tesla taking 55.5% of that market. 7,037 Tesla Model 3s have been sold year to date, representing 48.5% of all EVs sold. But but, but still, EVs only account for 2% of the new vehicle market in Australia.
0: Just interesting too, Jeff. Quickly, we'll get to uh the the kind of best performers, if you like, for the month. But just quickly, uh plug in hybrids um were up for August. I think it's the um the same scenario for uh for hybrids. Um what was it? They're up 377 vehicles or five point eight percent for mm-hmm. hybrids um for that month. But people are going to be interested here in our best performers for August by brand. Who who have we got there?
3: Okay, Uh, well, (laughs) uh, best uh, brand performers, uh, BMW increased sales 51.8%, Ferrari 53.3%, Lamborghini 257.1% increase, Suzuki 105%, and Ram 55.9%. So they're, they're brands that have just you know, uh, for one reason or another, they've just lifted their game. Uh, some of it's about new vehicle release, some of it's about stock that's arrived.
0: Land Cruiser wagon, though, was the best sales performer, was it not? Yeah,
3: oh, it was indeed. I mean, when you look at sales performance, um, you've, in one month, one thousand two hundred thirteen uh, Land Cruiser wagons sold in one month. Uh, you know, that's that's you know, it, it can't we can't deny this. In Australia, four x fours are still the biggest selling vehicle uh, uh, type. And one of the challenges for us, looking at an electric vehicle market, who's going to build right-hand drive electric 4x4s for what is a relatively small market globally? So I'm just, uh, you know, Greg, that's something for us to look forward to, but we can't get away from it. In Australia, we love those 4x4s. We're
0: going to wrap this up. Um, We want to uh, get to a very special guest shortly in an industry sense coming up, Um, Lamborghini uh, convertibles or coupes. 20 were sold in uh, in August. So Shane's clearly bought one there. They were up from six in <laughs> August 2021. I can't uh, get out of I them. Know, <laughs> right.
1: I know, right? They sent me at a car show in the vendor or whatever <laughs> to take some photos. <laughs> and then it was like trying to get Marshmallow out of a money box. I couldn't get out of the thing. I
0: love it. I love it. I just couldn't get out of Ferrari, it. Ferrari, 23 sold in August this year compared to eight last year. And, and uh, okay. Jeff, can we finish on this, this subject with – Just some stuff around economic trends. I mean, everyone's talking about inflation, uh, interest rates and so on at the moment. Just a a snapshot.
3: Even though August was a good month, the new vehicle market's still trailing uh, 2.1% down on last year. Uh, Interest rates are continuing to rise uh, with the next, well, you know, it's suggested a next series of interest rates and the cost of living increases expected to dampen uh, buying behaviour. But we've got to remember... In Australia, a lot of vehicles were ordered 8, 10, 14 months ago. All of that stock's got to come through and hit the, the balance sheet in terms of the numbers. So even though I think uh, you know we are heading into a much tighter fiscal situation in Australia, I'm not sure whether it'll overall, whether it'll affect uh, vehicle sales as much as people think.
0: Looking for reliability? Switch to Denso and you'll understand why their products outperform anything else in the industry. From ignition coils to engine management sensors, AC components and alternators, filters, to fuel pumps, and much, much more. Plus, cutting-edge spark plug technology that makes Denso plugs sought after worldwide. Built to last the distance and keep you on our roads, thanks to industry-leading testing facilities that they have right here in Australia. At your next service, be sure to ask for Denso, or you can find your part at denso.com.au. Our feature guest for this episode is one of Australian Motor Racing's favourite sons, five-time Aussie touring car champion, three-time winner of the great race at Bathurst, rightfully inducted into the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame. And there are all sorts of other accolades attached to his name, including member of the Order of Australia. His one-liners, as you listeners will know, are legendary. And these days, he's thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying watching his grandson jet race, in addition. To his unwavering support for Dick Johnson Racing, the team doing some good things in the Supercars Championship ahead of the race at Bathurst next month. Hello, sir. Welcome. Oh, how are you doing, Rusty? It's great to catch up with you. Why don't we actually start with Jet? Because I sense you two have a good bond. Tell us about that. And and is his sole for focus as a young bloke just you know a career like granddad as a racing driver? Is that all he's about? Well, I don't want to
4: sort of get him to the point where he's hitting rocks and things like that. Because, yeah, of course. <laughs> because that won't work again. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, he's pretty focused on what he wants and uh, he certainly wants to, you know, go motor racing and, and try and make a career of it. So, But obviously uh, I'm not a PhD, which is parents have dough, so uh,
0: <laughs> he's going to have to work his way through it. Are you Pop or granddad? What are you? What's your, What's your name? No, he calls me grandpa. Grandpa, you know, I love old, it. I'm the old fashioned one. Do you, do you talk like engines and all the stuff you grew up around, Dick? I mean, your, your dad, I think, was a was a car salesman back in the day. You and your brother David, or Dino, as we knew him for years, you were always around cars, you boys, when you when you were growing up. Is it the same kind of deal for you?
4: Oh, exactly. You know, the, the same sort of thing. You know, Jet's doing exactly that. He's an an apprentice mechanic at the moment, and because uh, he needs to learn a. A fair bit about cars, if he wants to understand how they operate, uh, I think every driver really needs to know uh, how it operates so they can sort of adjust themselves to suit certain conditions.
3: Hey, Dick, it's Jeff Gwollum here, and I mean, I must say, it's really it's heartening to hear you say that because there's a lot of kids that they like cars, but they don't know anything about how they work. But to, to hear you wind that reel back to say, look, it's about the fundamentals, it's about knowing how the engine works, you can't drive it well unless you understand that, that's really heartening to hear that.
4: Well, it is, and, you know, you've got, you got to have, and I, we've had a lot of drivers in our team over the years, and uh, and I can assure you that a lot of them have absolutely no idea about mechanical sympathy. Uh, they used to trash cars Unnecessarily, uh, only through ignorance, rather than anything else. So, you know, they didn't know any better.
0: It's a brutal game, or can be at times, right? Motorsport. Um, have you tried to kind of help him avoid the the pitfalls, and in what way have you talked to him about that stuff?
4: Yeah, he's he's really got his head around it pretty well. You know, he's he's a very level-headed kid. Um, there's there's one word that uh, we've always taught all our kids, and certainly it's gone down. Obviously, to our grandkids now, and that one word is called respect. Mm. To, to me, that's you know a crucial sort of part of their their upbringing for the simple reason that I teach them that you know you just got to treat people the way you want to be treated. And uh, and he, he certainly does that. He's very very polite and and uh, always says the right
1: thing at the right time. I think. Dick uh, Shane here, mate. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. And. Not sure if we 've had this chat in the past, but if if we have it 's worth repeating, and if we haven 't i 'm glad I get to say it to you. You were just for me growing up, you were just the perfect celebrity because you were a racing car driver. And that was a dream of mine to be able to go as quick as you could. I I never got anywhere near what you could do. But not only that, mate, and you hear it all the time. But you know, you haven't heard it from me, I don't think. But you were a comedian in the car as well. You were the perfect marriage of personalities for me. So, and the truth is, I grew up a Holden fan, but you were one of my favourite drivers. I couldn't wait to turn on Bathurst with you in the car. There's, there's no one. I can't think anyone that's got as close as you to making me laugh whilst watching motorsport. You know, there's, there's no one's got close to it, mate. I, I miss you. Being in the car. It's, uh, have you ever seen anyone else that's, that you think, oh, you know, they could have been matching you gag for gag whilst you were heading down Conrod? <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: I think, I think a few bit of that's rubbed off on Jet, to be quite honest. He's, right. he's got a great sense of humor and, and he understands, uh, should I say, puns and things like that, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Double meanings and all that, which, which is a lot of comedy to me. I think, you know, to me, um, I I think if you go through life without comedy, mate, you've had a pretty poor life, to be quite honest.
1: Uh, Mate, I agree. And I still remember, was it the gag that you said when someone said what was wrong with the motor and you said it's an electrical fault because the piston went through the alternator, is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there's all
4: those sort of things which, you know, you can try and turn negatives into positives. That's what I've always tried to do. And and, uh, even through comedy, even though it's a bad situation, you try and uh,
0: see the funny side. To Shane's point here, some of your one-liners, right? Here's one for Shane Winton. It's like running a marathon around your clothesline, <laughs> and and you and you once. I love this yarn, and I hope you don't mind sharing it with our with our audience. You once got yourself out of out of hot water with the Americans after Richard Petty, who was the king of NASCAR, tapped you into a spin, and at the time, I think. I think you called him a prick in the broadcast and it sort of seeped through the ESPN coverage. <laughs> but you you were able to to unglue yourself from that, weren't you? What'd you tell them? How'd you get out of that? Well, that was a
4: situation that because uh, I got on the radio when when he sort of punted me because I was in full view, view of the pits. It was at Sears Point and it was the mm. airpin corner. And and uh, I'd just put a lap on Richard Petty and and I, he came down, I went down the inside of him halfway through the corner, he T-bones me. I got on the radio to, over there, they call him your crew chief.
3: Your
4: <laughs> uh, Hey, Ray, I said, did you see where that prick did he drove straight in the side of me? <laughs> well, unbeknownst to me, you know, the, the legend Richard Petty, who's, he's a legend in his own bathwater over there. He's just such a a well-known personality in, in uh, NASCAR. And uh, anyway, uh, it took a while because... He took a bit of offence to that sort of thing and it took me a couple of meetings after that, three or four race meetings after that, uh, to convince Richard Petty that a prick in Australia was a term of endearment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. Do you reckon, I mean, while we're on this theme here, the three of us, um, or four of us, do we miss a bit of that, Dick, from from the rivalry standpoint to the personality standpoint that Shane's talking about? Do we miss a bit of that, and not, I'm not just talking supercars, I think in modern motorsport generally? it I, I think the drivers today are probably
4: without being um, sort of rude, I, they're, they're, a lot of them have got a lot of personality, but the motorsport has now become so serious that none mm. of that comes out in them and, and and unless they're out of a car somewhere and unseen. But um, that, that's the rotten part about it. But there are quite a number of guys here that are very, very, uh, very, very good at sort of, you know, maybe not so much the one-liners, but certainly uh, understand what comedy is all
1: about. Hmm. But because you, and again, to harp on the point, I know I'm churning old soil again, but you, you did to motorsport for me what Bob Hawke did to politics. Like I I got interested in politics when we had this guy called Bob Hawke who seemed good fun to be around, you know. that's, And I think if there was a bit more humour, I think, I mean, there's already enough people as we know loving motorsport but would it hurt to have more people be attracted to it because uh a sense of human no one you know, no one dislikes a laugh at the end of anything and if it, if it came to them in the middle of motorsport i just couldn't help but think if there was a bit more fun there i think we'd probably attract a, a wider audience and that couldn't hurt it certainly wouldn't hurt
4: at all i think uh, it's another part of of probably supercars that needs to be exploited because um there's nothing worse than a, than a dull telecast and and I think there's there's those situations I think come into hand when uh, if you get a, a a commentator who's a bit one-eyed or something like that, um, it becomes and all you got to do is and I talk to an awful lot of people and and uh, they certainly have their opinions of of all the uh, of, of all the commentators. I can assure you.
0: I'm sure they do. Hey, you. Your son, Stephen, and Jet all had the chance to do something really special earlier in the year, all on track, driving DJR Mustang supercars together, three generations. Really cool. What was that experience like? How did you go pulling the suit back on, and what was it like driving that modern-day Mustang?
4: Look, it was, that was probably one of the, the best things I've ever done in my life. Wow. It, it was really strange because... When Stephen and Jet got there, they they thought that we were sharing the one car.
0: Car, yeah.
4: But as it turned out, when they got there and they saw the three cars there, well, they were over the moon. Awesome!
0: You're yeah, willing up it's a little moment. bit. That was quite special yeah. for you. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it certainly was.
0: Mm. Hey, very quickly, uh, DJR announced some new. Um, owners, investors, if you will, in the Ralph family. Very recently, they, they own the Melbourne Aces baseball team. Um, they've got a, a decent sport portfolio generally. Um, are you excited about this? How good is that for for the team as you move forward and so on?
4: Absolutely. Look, it's it's not something that's to to ensure the, I suppose, the future of, of where our team goes, but it's what sport's all about these days. You have a look at you know, most sporting teams these days, or a lot of them, are now being bought out by investors and things like that. And I think mm. it's the future of. That uh, wasn't me that barked, I don't think. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think it's the way that, that the future where uh, sporting teams are going. And I think it just certainly cements our uh, our actual, uh, should I say, um,
1: involvement in motorsport well, well into the future and, and love to see it develop. So. Not many people, or I guess. People in the game know, and you know, Dick, because you've been doing it forever. But you know, I didn't realise just how much Ford weren't going to continue in motorsport in Australia, and how you got that car on that track, and literally Ford had to kind of come back to the track, if you will. Is that a, is that a fair description? Well, it is a pretty fair description actually, because you know Ford
4: obviously uh, backed out of motorsport in uh, with you know the Alan Moffat side of things and everything like that, and and I saw an opportunity where uh, where we could sort of probably make our mark. And uh, that's when the, the Rock situation happens. And, yeah. and uh, with, with the people that uh, phoned into Channel 7 uh, after the Rock incident, uh, wanting to donate money to get us going, one of the callers was Edsel Ford II. Yeah. Yeah, he was here in Australia as the vice president of Ford Australia. But it literally and, was uh,
1: you that attracted Ford back to racing with you on that track with a car that was unsupported by the factory.
4: Well, it, it all started through Motocraft, actually, uh, which was a guy by the name of Doug Jacoby, who was an absolute gem of a man. He used to run the the, the uh, parts and service side of, of Ford, which were semi-separate to what the Ford Motor Company was, but at, at the end of the day, it was Ford. And um, and through that, through Doug Jacoby, who was a re- became a very good friend of mine, um, uh, we got things happening. And, uh, yeah, it sort of evolved from there. But... But bear in mind, too, that uh, the the one constant I've had over the last uh, 53 years is I've had an association always with Shell.
1: Dick, I may be talking out of turn here. We we don't have to say too much, but um, scripts and TV show ideas quite often come across my desk. And would it be fair to say some people have been speaking to you about your life story? Um, that I, I'm probably not allowed to say too much, but would that, would it be fair to assume that some people have been speaking to you potentially about your life story becoming a uh, a TV series one day maybe? it if I know,
4: but, like, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I'm getting a bit too old for that stuff. But
1: So, look, uh, yeah, I've, I did spill the beans there, and I'm going to spill a few more beans. Here's the thing, right? Um, I have seen a document which we call a pitch deck, and a pitch deck is... For those that don't know, uh, or you can, it's a document that show, shows people an idea that people have got, and it's for a TV six by one hour dramatic series on Dick Johnson,
2: oh.
1: the <laughs> XD that he put on the track, um, as as very much a privateer against Holden, obviously who had the you know the multi million dollar team, um, and Dick got a car on a track, and as he just said. Um, you know, Etzel Ford was someone that contacted him. Now, I know for a fact that Tony Rogers, who is a, a friend and a fantastic director, gave me this document to look at um, a little while ago. And I know he's been in contact with Etzel Ford overseas. And they've been having these conversations. So, look, I I hope it gets made. Um, I've been asked to be involved. I want to be involved. But, yeah, I I don't know how much I was or wasn't supposed to say about this and the project was called Blueprint. There you go. You heard it here first, and I'll see you all at the court case when someone sues me. No more talking about it. Just move on. Move on now. Go, Rusty. Keep the show going before I get sued.
0: Before you go, DJ, supercars about to embark on the next phase. The Gen 3 cars are coming. Mustang versus Camaro. Your thoughts on that? Are you excited about that next chapter?
4: Yeah, well, we've been involved in this from from day one pretty much because a lot of the design work we and that was done at uh, DJR and and uh, we built uh, DJR we built the uh, the Mustang the Gen 3 Mustang uh which I think is a uh, stunning looking be, thing mm. it's going to be at Bathurst and, and uh there's some special things happening I think at Bathurst so it'll be uh, the, the whole new concept of everything will be revealed I think at Bathurst
0: All right. And we're hoping that uh, what Shane has alluded to, very especially in this podcast, comes to fruition. I love that uh, that story potentially about a a series on the great man who's been good enough to come on the grill and chat with us today. We could talk for ages. Thank you so much for coming into the studio and, and shooting the breeze with us on all sorts of things. We wish Jet the very best. And as we talk to you today, can you believe it? It's your son Stephen's birthday, so have a nice little, uh, nice little uh, glass of tea with him tonight, or something along those lines. <laughs> we will
4: have something later in the week when it's not as busy, and, uh, and it's also, would you believe that uh, it's it's uh, our daughter's birthday on uh, Sunday because uh, they they still are um, for five or six days. Uh, they really are um, the same age. Would you believe
0: so? Awesome. So you could
4: obviously say that Stephen was a bloody mistake.
0: <laughs> oh, <that's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> He's doing some great things on radio. DJ, thank you for coming in and uh, and chatting with us. We look forward to catching up at a racetrack somewhere soon. You certainly
1: will, mate. Cheers. Love you, Dick. Cheers. You're a star,
0: mate. Yeah, yeah, on on. Us,
1: Super. 100% manufactured in Japan and designed specifically for Australian conditions. The Exedy Safari Tough Clutch range is precision-engineered to deliver cutting-edge performance in the most demanding driving conditions. Tested in battle during the Malaysian Rainforest Challenge, the Extreme Winch Challenge, and the Australian Safari, the Exedy Safari Tough is the only choice for 4x4 enthusiasts who demand the ultimate protection from clutch failure. Find out more at exedy.com.au.
0: We're going to break from the usual formula this month. Generally, at this point in the show, we get a VACC member guest on. But, Jeff, given that you're in Norway having a look at what their auto industry body does, particularly around kind of fast-tracking the move to EVs, you thought you'd bring a special guest in. Take it away.
3: Yeah, thank you, Greg. We found the original Stig, but unfortunately, Stig's not the, the racing driver. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, this is Stig uh, morton Nilsson, who runs the Motor Trades Association in Norway, and uh, what we've done in Australia, we've reached out, there's a small group of us over here, uh, looking here in Sweden, uh, the UK and Germany, really examining the electric vehicle market, we know the government's going to build a national electric vehicle plan in Australia, they're working on it right now, what we're saying to them is, listen to people like Stig, look at the countries that have already done it, learn from their mistakes, and plan around what's feasible, That's why Stig's here, and Stig's going to join us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just expand on what what
0: Jeff's been talking about there, about about hosting this this delegation from the Australian Motor Trades Association to look at the electric vehicle rollout in Norway. And and it looks like half the world wants to come and see how Norwegians have achieved this. What is it? A third of all cars being sold there are EVs. This is pretty remarkable.
2: Actually, it's not a third. Uh, year to date, the market share for pure electric cars is seventy-eight percent. Amazing, seventy-eight percent. Seventy-eight percent. So it's it's really it's really running very very fast. And in addition to those, it's ten percent for plug-in hybrids.
1: Yeah, so it's like nearly what's well, over eighty percent. Nearly ninety percent of cars are, are, are in the electric sphere. So what I've got to ask, Dig, what's what's happened to all the, the fuel driven cars?
2: Oh, they're still here. The the average um, they stay on the road uh, for eighteen years, uh, so they will still be with us uh, for some time uh, in in the future. But in the, in the the fleet, uh, the vehicle fleet on the passenger cars now, it's five hundred thousand electric vehicles. And 2.3 million uh, ice uh, diesel petrol cars.
3: When we, when we were looking at those figures yesterday, Stig, I think it's only four percent of the purchase of vehicles now are petrol uh, or, or diesel, which means that uh, you know uh, Norway is, is above uh, it's the leader globally in terms of electric vehicle sales. But Stig, you know that's th- that's not been done on the cheap. Can you tell us a bit about what, what, uh, just indicative costing, what does it cost to move uh, 5.4 million people in their minds and in their souls to come out of internal combustion engine technology in their minds into electric vehicles? What does it cost to do that?
2: Well, it's it's very expensive. And uh, unfortunately, we are an oil-producing country, a very rich country. Uh, so we had the funding to uh, really speed up the green shift. Uh, Last year, the the cost uh, uh, for electrifying uh, the the vehicle fleet was around 2 billion euros. Um, Yeah. And, And we're a small country, we're only a fifth of Australia, so you can do the calculation yourself.
3: And and most of that stickers in in incentives, you know, incentives to car drivers, but also a lack of tax that's picked up from government.
2: Yeah, that's correct. So the the electric vehicles have no VAT. uh, They have no tax. uh, And uh, also uh, uh, cheaper to to go in toll stations, toll roads. uh, They have no annual tax, et cetera, et cetera. So a, a lot of incentives. Stig, we
0: will have listeners that will be naturally wanting to know about infrastructure there, right? And and some of the things that you've done to uh, to prepare for this charging, electricity supply. Are there enough public charging stations? Do do people generally charge at home? Paint that picture
2: for us. Yeah, in, in general, uh, people charge at home overnight. Uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, when when you're um, traveling. Uh, you have to have uh, uh, charging stations along the main roads, and uh, if I would give some advice to the countries following, uh, this is have to be planned before you get uh, high volumes. Mm. Uh, the government needs to plan the infrastructure on the charging, because uh, w- one charging station, uh, first of all, requires extremely a lot of uh, electricity. Um, so if the the energy uh, infrastructure is uh, is not on top, they need to put down new electricity all over to to get the, the the charging stations up and running. People will be also keen on what's
0: happening as far as the batteries are concerned. Stig, just in relation to, um, you know, when they date, when they become waste and so on. There are some good startups around the world that are looking at ways to try and recycle this stuff. What are you guys doing to to deal with that side of it?
2: Uh, uh, you have a good point. Uh, and uh, it's very important to, to get a, a sustainability around the uh, demantling and uh, uh, reusing recycling the batteries and there are several initiatives uh, actually there are, uh, we're building uh, a few battery factories for building new batteries out of the old ones and uh, we, we get two to three new batteries out of one old um, in addition to that uh, for example in a in a big uh, sports arena they have uh, uh, Sun, uh, what do what you call it, uh, solar panels yes. on top. Uh, they put old EV batteries in the basement uh, and uh, have a, steel, a, a steering system to provide lightning.
1: The solar obviously powers the batteries that they store, and then at night, if there's a game, they can illuminate that field using the stored power in old batteries. That's that's genius. It should be every stadium in the world.
2: Yeah, it's like, uh, because even though the, the capacity of the battery might be, uh, let's say, 70% uh, and uh, not enough to power a vehicle, uh, there's still a lot of power left in the
3: battery to do things like that. Hey, uh, Stig, uh, we were having a chat yesterday, and one of the things that was fascinating, there's a there's a number of electric vehicles here that have got a 500-kilometre range, which is just fantastic. But uh, it seems to be everybody, well, well, actually... 500,000 people in Norway have got a cabin that's 200 kilometers up the road and, and my gut feeling is Stig is that is the benchmark for h- how far an electric car has got to go without any trouble you've got to be able to get to your cabin is that true? Yes
2: <laughs> 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 and, and you know we have we have uh, pretty cold winters and uh, a lot of mountains and everything so yeah. uh, this uh, 200 kilometer range is an absolute uh, minimum uh, because then people go to the cabin they have a um they can charge um, the vehicle there and uh, it's enough power to get home even in -10 15 degrees minus during the winter
0: We're chatting with Stig Morten Nilsson the uh, CEO of the Motor Trades Association of Norway it is fantastic to um, chat about some of this stuff with you I feel like we could talk for uh, a lot longer just a couple to finish um if we can Stig has there been maybe one lesson in all of this transition that norway has has gone through and the mammoth amount of work that you've clearly had to do what's the learning from this for other countries perhaps like australia in in moving to a, a adopt evs what things should we be mindful of and and be aware of
2: i think uh the consumers uh, need to obviously have trust in the new technology and uh, especially what um, what we 10 years ago we had this range anxiety uh, this is not an issue anymore uh, we passed that uh, way past that uh, so now uh, all the consumers and the and the car buyers have adapted uh, to the new technology uh, it, it, this happens very fast uh, you uh, you would you just plan uh, plan your driving in another way than you used to? Uh, so uh, so I think uh, and there's a lot of good things about the EV as well. They're quiet. So they have a lot of torque. Uh, so it's, they are really powerful. And of course, uh, they're all uh, connected to the internet all the time, a lot of new technology, et cetera. Uh, but as I said earlier on, the main thing that the government, they need to understand the complexity uh, um, and how big a shift this actually is, uh, and especially when it comes to uh, both the infrastructure planning and, uh, of course, for the industry, because there's a totally new competence needed, uh, a lot of investments uh, in new tools, uh, changing working processes, etc., etc.
0: Thank you very much for coming on and chatting with us today, and for spending some time with our our boss in Jeff Guillem. The insights have been superb, Stig, and uh, and we really appreciate you coming on the grill and sharing them um, with our audience.
2: Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And,
1: Stig, can I let you know how thrilled I am because you're now the third Stig I've worked with. I've, wor- <laughs> I've worked with the Australian Top Gear Stig, the English Top Gear Stig, and now you. This is my third Stig, and it was a pleasure.
0: Into the glove box we go for some of your mail this month. Could have been there for a bit longer. Ooh, some hairspray tickets here. Well done, Shane. Going well there, I understand. Yes. They, they might be headed the way of our... David Dowsey from uh, from the VACC. Uh, from Daryl in Ballarat, this is actually for me, he says, with the success of Netflix's Drive to Survive, yeah. do you think an Aussie version uh, with supercars yes. will get off the ground?
1: I wanted Ooh. to. Ooh. Just, this also, everyone just now, say yes. Uh, this is how this stuff happens.
0: Yes, yes. we got to make the demand. Correct, correct. And if we did it in a, in a different way, something that was kind of uniquely Aussie, that stood apart from Drive to Survive and made it appealing globally, I think a lot of people would understand why we love supercars. But, Daryl, when you're done here, maybe rewind the podcast, go back a little bit. There was a little breaking news from our own Shane Jacobson when we chatted to none other than Dick Johnson. So I invite you to go back and have a little listen to that. Shane, one for you. From, it's come all the way from Albury too, up there near the border, from Wayne. Will ex-military vehicles hold their value, tanks, trucks, jeeps, or uh, things like that, and even become Investments, in your opinion, I can't tell you how terrified my wife gets when she
1: walks past our <laughs> office at home, and I'm online looking at ex-military <laughs> vehicles because they they always come up on the auction house sites. Um, on which one? Oh, um, oh the more about New Anyway, they they turn up all the time. I don't know. I don't. They always seem cheaper than I thought they would be. You know what I mean? Ex-military gear and mm-hmm. and literally a. a, a, a Camouflage four drive went past me today on the road. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should get one of those. I have no idea why I need yeah. them. A unimog, I need yeah, one I of know, those. Yeah, <laughs> He doesn't need a six wheeled off road vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> six wheel drive unimog. I I don't know. I, I would think they'd hold their value. I I can't peg what they'll do. Um, Hence the fact I I haven't brought them. But, yeah, quite often on auction sites they come up all the time. And those trailers with the the ring towing gear that don't match anything I've got and I'm like, I should get that trailer. And then I realise, well, (laughs) how am I going to tow it? It's on front. How are you going to
0: hide it, Shane? How are you going to hide it? Well, have I? Have,
1: I don't know if I've told this story yet. That F seven hundred truck that I got with my wife said, "What on earth what I if we're going to do with that," and I said, "I won't know until we get it here." Have I explained this? I think I've probably spoken it on the no. show. Anyway, she said, "That's not an answer." I said, "Well, it is. It's just not a good one." So I brought that truck and and it was at home. And she said, "Right." So what's that going to do? And I said, "It's fixed the problem." And she said, "What's the What's the problem?" It's fixed. Uh, and excuse me if I've told this story on the podcast before, but uh, I said we'll see where that truck's parked now on our property. This time yesterday, mm-hmm. there was no truck there. Well, I fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> that was my answer, and that's why I've got that truck. <laughs> so very I don't know. Good, I don't know good. whether they're going to go up in value. I really don't. But um, but they're quite. F- I think they're affordable. Some of the stuff they auction off, I actually think it's pretty affordable. Tanks, who knows. <laughs> I mean, I want a tank. There's, as you can go online. There's a guy There's a guy hanging out at the top of a tank with his dad yelling at him to get, out, get the tank off the road, <laughs> and his son is yelling back, Dad, you're yelling at me, and I'm literally in a tank. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying, get down. Now, dad, I'm literally standing in a tank. In tank. You can't tell me what to do now.
0: <laughs> now, there has been a little bit of mail in recent time just in relation to uh used car prices and when we perhaps might get some sort of correction or a bit more realism in those prices one here from karen in mulgrave for example so what we're going to do we're going to hang on to that till next month we're going to talk to uh, jeff to steve bletsos internally at vacc and we'll try and give you a bit of a rounded thought on uh, when we may get some sort of movement there. Before we go on today's show, Shane's beautiful little melting pot of part science, part motoring fact, part anything goes that we like to call... Blow it out your tailpipe.
1: <laughs> so uh, these blow it out your tailpipes are actually... <laughs> excuses the people these are the, the zoomies these are the excuses people gave police this these are true when the police have told them they can blow them out blow it out their tailpipe you ready these are all excuses yep. that we're given to police for speeding these are my favorites I've picked my favorites I wasn't speeding I wasn't speeding I just got a haircut and it makes me look fast <laughs> <Those> <laughs> <are the excuses>. <laughs> 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 A drunk guy told a policeman that he was racing to a hospital because he was pregnant and he'd actually weed himself. He was so drunk. And he said, see, my waters have broken. (laughs) He didn't get away with that one. Uh, There was also uh, someone that showed um, that they were speeding uh, and they were doing like 54 in a 30 zone. And it was a woman driving a car that had snow on its window, and the policeman said, "I've just caught you speeding." And she went, "Duh! Do you know what I'm doing? I'm trying to drive fast enough to get all the snow off the window."
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I didn't get across. I didn't get across the line. Uh, another guy got pulled over, and he said, "Yeah, no, I'm aware of that. Uh, my car has a recall on it for unexplained acceleration. I'm on my way to get it fixed."
2: <laughs>
1: oh, this is so good. Oh, I love um, the thought that goes into these. Yeah, uh, another guy Another guy said I was speeding to try and keep the two-second buffer between me and the car behind me, <laughs> and the policeman said, there's no one behind you. And he goes, I did a pretty good job, didn't I? <laughs> so he got booked. Um, and oh, I've got to pick one of the other ones. Um, oh, this one just sounds like I, I love it because this kid is obviously what he gets told by his dad. Um, like he said, why were you speeding? He said, because I'm just all kinds of stupid. <laughs> Um, Now, I want to end on a joke based on these police things. A a policeman pulls over a car in America and says, can I see your licence, please? And the guy said, I don't have a license got taken off me for drink driving. And he said, right. He said, can I see registration? He said, don't have any registration for this car. And he said, really? He said, no. He said, so what are you doing driving it? He said, I've got a body in the boot. I killed a man who owed me some money uh, and I'm on my way to bury the body. And with that, the guy jumps back, puts his hand on his gun, says, do not get out of the car, rings for backup, four police cars turn up, It gets handed to a more senior officer to come over who's got his hand with on his gun. His gun's out. It's been unholstered. He's pointing at the driver, and he says, get out of the car, move slowly, and move to the back of the car and open the boot. Opens the boot. There's nothing in the boot. And he says, before you do anything else, I need to see some identification. <laughs> the guy puts his hand in his pocket and says, there's my driver's license. <laughs> And he says I was told you had a body in the boot by one of my officers. He said that's ridiculous. He said I was also told you said you had no license and no registration. He said, "Well, that that policeman is obviously just a liar. And let me guess, he probably said I was speeding as well, did he?" <laughs>
0: takes a bit of thinking. We're nearly out of time. I I used to work with – name he will remain nameless. I used to work with a guy back in the Network 10 Motorsport days, and we would be in the production compound at the Gold Coast Indy Race, all typing away, getting stories done, very quiet, you know, sort of environment. And he would ring the office phone in the production hut, and he would pick it up, and he would, in a very serious tone, he'd go, right, Mm mm-hmm okay, look, I want you to go back around there, stick the body in the boot and get rid of it. And then he'd hang hang the phone up and everyone would look like, what the hell is going on there? We're out of time for this episode, folks. A massive thanks to Dick Johnson and Stig all the way from Norway for coming on some um, unbelievably insightful stuff there. Um, if you've got a guest suggestion on either side, be it a VACC member that you think we should get on or someone who's a little special in the motoring and racing landscape, info at thegrillpodcast.com.au. Thanks to those of you who've shared The Grill episodes along the way too. There are, if you're new to listening uh, to our podcast, some great guests in our library, including Neil Crompton, Craig Lowndes, Daniel Ricardo, Mick Doohan, Jeremy Clarkson, and much, much more. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. We would love you to rate and review the pod too. We really appreciate all the comments that you've been making. On behalf of Jeff, how dare? I think that means goodbye in Norwegian. He's already off in Norway. Go and enjoy, uh, have hey, a ripper day. Ha- uh,
1: in Swedish, it's hejdå. Hejdå. Hejdå.
0: There
1: Hedo you are. Have a great day. Goodbye. <laughs> hejdå, everyone. See on the road, folks. <laughs>
3: Listener.